Hello and welcome to the Hearts Review with me, Ross McLeod and Gordon Senior. On this week's show, we're going to talk about the 1-1 draw with the Rangers at Ibrox, preview Dundee and St Johnston, and we talk a little bit about transparency in Scottish football. Terrible, eh? especially on the eve of your birthday. It's, uh, it's disrespectful, really. Well, do you know what I mean? I'm a loyal customer to that place and um, I'm going to start a petition. Get the dark fruit back in the mill. I, I think it'll be back before you know it, mate. I think a lot of regular band of customers do like a dark fruit, and I well, think it'll be back at some stage. Well, let's hope so, Gordon, because um, if not, if there's, if there's none on Saturday for the big day, um, I will be lodging a complaint. Oh, um, they'll, they'll, what's that bottled shit that they have, like the mixed fruits? Not having any of this, this Balmer's shit. I'm wanting my no, it's not Balmer's, it's the other stuff. It's, is it Copperberg? Yeah. Aye, that's yeah. You know, we're starting the show talking about Stronghold Dark Fruit, which, you know... It's your fault. It's your fault. I know. I mean, you're leading me astray, really. Well, well, I mean, there is only two of us this week, um, as you, as as we both know. Um, You might hear a lot more from me. I won't just be asking the questions like some people say. Um, (laughs) But, you know, we're here. We're still unbeaten, Gordon. Um, A 1-1 draw with Rangers. I thought a very good result um but could we have possibly won the game you know on unbalanced play rangers weren't as good as probably i was expecting i don't know what you were expecting but you know we we should have we could have probably won the game no um you know i thought i thought first half they were really good um i thought they 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 made it difficult for us to get into the game i thought they played some good football they created some decent chances and, and we just couldn't get a rhythm going uh, we, we found it difficult, particularly maybe the, the middle of the half, to to get out of our own half at times. But I thought when kind of the... Oh, I, was, I was sitting there at halftime, I was concerned because the goal's frustrating for me, yeah. um, particularly when I thought they had created better chances, Rangers, and we sort of just kind of weathered that storm. Yeah. I thought halftime, nil-nil, great. Um, and Craig Gordon's made, you know, he'd made some fantastic saves up until that point. And then, you know, we don't, we don't get out quick enough to Lundstrom uh, you know it's a decent strike but I think maybe Craig will, will be a bit disappointed that he didn't keep it out himself um, yeah, so you know you, yeah it is, it, is, it, is, it is difficult you know I think go, you know we're, we've got such high expectations of Craig Gordon and um, you know he, he saves us in so many times and it's, I suppose it's almost surprising when, when you see him get beat with a goal like that it just reminds you that he is human well, well, you know, there's two saves he made from the corner off Maleros were amazing. You know, I, I celebrated that like a goal. I think most Hearts fans were. I mean, the cheer coming from the corner was was, was like it was a goal. Not quite how we went for the goal, but um, I have to say, yeah, the, you're right about Gordon. The, we should have, he should have got to that really, considering how good a keeper Gordon is. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, he'll save us a lot more than he'll let in. Um, he's done. He's made a mistake, possibly, but you know, would another goal get to? I don't know. Would another goal have got to the other shot? I don't think so. No, the 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 the, the one you're talking about, the, the double save. I mean, yeah. for me, it gets down really well for the first one, but the second one is I was just waiting for the net to, to bulge. To be honest with you, I was convinced it was going in. How he managed to keep that out, I'll I'll never know. You know, absolutely world class goalkeeping that and. I think, you know, you could tell by the Rangers fans' reactions. I don't think they believe that either. So, yeah. no, you, you, you're absolutely spot on. So, yeah, we concede, concede the goal like that's disappointing. And But then, 
you know, I'm sitting there, I'm standing at half time, and I think I said to Dave, I says, you know, first five minutes of the second half will be key here because usually what happens when you go to Ibrox and your goal down is they'll come out and try and get the second goal right away and kill the game. And I've seen it all, I've seen it too many times before through there. Um, but that didn't happen, you know, because I thought Rangers came out in the second half and I thought they, they dropped their tempo and um, they certainly weren't the same side that they were in the first half because I thought, you know, everything they were doing well in the first half, they stopped doing, um, which was uh, a huge advantage to us, obviously, because I, I, even at the start of the second half there, I didn't think we were particularly great, but we started to see more of the ball. We grew into the game. We started to get more confidence. You could see that. And um, I thought for the last half hour in particular, Certainly after the subs were made, I thought. Um, so the last sort of half hour, 25 minutes, that's when we started to to, to look more into the game, started creating chances. Um, you know, I think uh, Boyce, obviously, McGregor makes a save from him. Yep. For me, it's never offside. I thought the linesman was, was poor. You know, he was he never put his flag up once in the first half. Then suddenly, second half, you know, he, he couldn't get it up quick enough. And um very interesting. You do have to question that, though, because we, we did get yeah. nothing the whole game, didn't we? We got absolutely yeah. nothing from that side. And I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, you know, you know, you have to get things to, to win games. You know, a, a referee should be impartial, a linesman should be impartial. But, you know, it wasn't consistent. It really was not consistent, was it? You know, that linesman, I, I don't even know his name, he was he was useless for, for us. He never, he never gave us anything, as you say, put up that, put up that flag for the offside that never was. You know, they need to be more consistent than referees, and it, it, it's not difficult to 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 be a linesman. You literally lead the line. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, there was a few times in the first half he wasn't even up with play. No, um, but you know, the, the, I thought there was a few baffling decisions right throughout the day, the, the game. Really, I mean, in the first half, you know, we had a goal ruled out. I'm not sure why that was even ruled out. To be honest with you, I don't know why more more wasn't made of that. You know, it looked like it was just a 50-50 header in the box and. It fell to, I don't know, I can't remember who put it in, but, um, you know, everyone knew at the time that the ref had gave something, but when you look at it back, you think to yourself, why was that even given as a foul? Joe Rebo, for me, should have been sent off. Um, you I know, he's back on Cameron Devlin. That, that, again, is another baffling decision. But there's um, the other thing about the disparity, talking about the Rebo point. You know, they made such a big deal of the, the Porteous challenge, you know, was rescinded, you know, there was a lot of talk about it. There was absolutely nothing anywhere about that challenge, apart from on social media from fans. There was yeah. nothing on sports scene, there was nothing on Sky Sports, the ref watch, you know, they even looked at the Hearts game, for goodness sake. I mean, why, why, they should be reporting things impartially, shouldn't they? Oh, of course, but it's always been the same, hasn't it, in this country, you know what I mean? I think it depends who you, I mean, if that was a, a role reversal and it was Cammy Devlin going in on Joe Rebo, Right the, the sun, the record, anyway. Yeah, of course it would be, and Gerard would be would be sitting talking about it uh, and screaming about it from the hill. But listen, it is what it is. But I think you know that's why VAR would would be hugely beneficial because you know even if like VAR looked at that and then they said oh it wasn't a red card, you've then still got a debate because then that brings up the competence of the people who are then doing the VAR. Um, so you've got to look at the whole system and how it's totally run, to be honest with you. I mean, for me, the referee has a clear view of that that, that particular challenge and, you know, he's he, he books him, but it's a dangerous challenge. And I think if you're comparing it to the, the Porteous one, Porteous comes in at speed, absolutely. Um, and you can argue maybe that's slightly more dangerous, but, you know, he's Arebo's higher. 
than than what Portugal's was, and he actually made clear contact with the player as well. So um, I don't understand how that's not a red card. If it was the other way about, would would they have sent the Hearts player off? Quite possibly, quite possibly. So it's definitely a turning point because if they go down to ten men, then it's absolutely totally a different game. Hearts had the ability to take control of that game because I thought at that time in the middle of the park they were they were overrunning us, and it wasn't until um, they sort of lost their impetus in the second half and we started to see more of the ball that the game changed and we, we started creating chances and um, and in the end, you know, I mean, obviously Barry McKay's is a big one. He, he does magnificently well to uh, to get past the, the two Rangers players and he probably should have cut it back because he had Boyce and then he actually even had Ginelli as well over. I think, you know, it's, a, it's an easy tap-in, but I think he's entitled to take the shot on um, because he's done all that hard work and got himself one-on-one. So, but at this point, but you, you felt that probably round about that chance that the, the the momentum was with Hearts at that point. And I thought, you know, although Rangers missed some, you know, really good opportunities, most of them were, were because of our undoing, really giving the ball away cheaply. Um, I mean, Craig Gordon makes a good save from, um, I think it was Kemar Roof. He puts it onto the post. Obviously, Manelos misses an absolute sitter as well. Uh, you know, I was almost ready to turn away because I thought that I'd went in. I thought typical, but... Um, we rode our luck because you need to rode your luck a little bit, Ibrox, and yeah. um, and then you know we we started to kind of sort of push for that equaliser, and Rangers got deeper and deeper, and then um, I thought we we're we we're slightly wasteful at times with our cross when we did get a corner and um, when we did get a cross into the box, you know, I mean, because they, they, they were falling for us, you know, one fell to Nandale, another fell to GMS, but we couldn't just quite. Um, sort of get the rub of the green and, and get them over the line. And then obviously we get the corner um, right at the end and um, and McGregor makes a complete hash of it and there's Halkett at the back post. So um, for me, I think we deserved the point in the end. Like I say, I, I didn't think we played overly well. I yeah. thought Rangers played well first half, but I think on the balance of the second half and the balance of the chances, I thought we deserved our point. A good Rangers team would have put us to bed, wouldn't they? You know, the... That, that was, in a sense, in a sense. I mean, look, I've never really, I've never really seen a Rangers team or, you know, old firm teams in general sit as far back as Rangers did there. You know, like to be fair to Hearts, you know, we 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 played to our advantage, but you know, they they didn't really play very much to their advantage there. They, they should have put us to bed potentially. Yeah, but, but at the end, when you when when you actually watch the end of the game, you know, yeah. actually that Mackay chance, and then obviously we get the goal. You know, and we had a we had we had most of the ball near the end. You know, we could have probably, if we had enough time, say if there was another ten minutes, we probably would have won the game. Yeah, I mean, listen, we we're a good side, and I think I think they've realised that. And I don't think we played that well, um, to be honest. We I thought well, certainly we did for the last twenty five minutes of the game. But I thought up until then, I thought we were poor. Um, like I say, you know, Rangers obviously first half I thought they were really good. Um. I thought second half they definitely you know changed their, their performance. But Rangers have been a bit like that this season. You know they have been a bit hot and cold, and I think you've probably seen the the best the the worst of Rangers. I think maybe. Um, but I think the the way the game kind of flipped, they obviously had missed those chances. They started to naturally get deeper anyway, and just thought they would defend their lead. You know it's a big game. You know and Rangers I think realised that you know the Hearts were were obviously had dangerous players on the park. It wasn't you know like the uh, the usual Hearts teams that would turn up at Ibrox and we just sit 10 men behind the ball, you know. We had a lot of attacking threats on the park, you know, the substitutes for me 
all three of them made a difference. Because um, I thought Woodburn, I thought, was a little bit, probably maybe his poorest game in a heart shot. I thought he struggled to get into the game. I thought Mackay was probably coming in too kind of too centrally at times. He wasn't really kind of um, out wide, but I think, you know, there was obviously reasons for that. I think maybe the way Rangers set up forced him to maybe come in more centrally and we, we kind of struggled on that on that right-hand side at times. Um, but I thought when, when we did get the balance, when Ginelli came on in particular, he went, I think he started on the left and then they moved him out to the right and then, you know, that meant that Michael Smith could get further forward because he wasn't getting enough, he wasn't getting forward enough for me, which was frustrating uh, quite, because there was plenty of space on the, on his right and it just, he just wasn't getting getting forward enough, unfortunately. Um, but when Ginelli did go over to that side, it allowed him to get further forward and, and push us further up. GMS and Nandali as well, when they both came on, you know, they, they, they added a bit of freshness to Hearts and a, and a different threat and, um, and it shows you that the depth that, that we have got in, in the squad this season, that, you know, there's players that can come on who are hungry and know that if they come on and they can, because let me tell you something, you know, Ginelli and GMS don't, maybe not both of them, but certainly at least one of them, I think will start at the weekend um, because they've came on and they've, they, they've shown that they can, um, you know, that they, they deserve a starting place, I think. And, uh, you know, it's about keeping the front three hungry as well. And showing if you do all right, you'll you'll get your opportunity. And I think with the fact that we have a game midweek as well, you will probably see changes to our to our um, our attack. And I think deservedly so because, like I say, that the, the the boys that come on they all done well. Um, but it's like previous Hearts teams; you would look at our benches and you'd think, you know, if the if it if the starting eleven doesn't you know doesn't go to plan, then then realistically, who can you bring on? And there's just not been enough of that over the years. But at least now we have that option and, and it came came at the forefront on Saturday. Yeah, there is a clear strength and depth there, isn't there? You know, as you've as you've sort of said, Gordon, there's there's it's some it's something refreshing as a Hearts fan. You're watching this team, you know, we've got a good start in eleven, but also you've got players to bring on. Do you know what I mean? You've you've got the likes of you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't have said two years ago that we'd have Gary McKay Stephen on the bench and a guy like Josh Ginelli that can, you know, run, he's a tricky winger, you know, but they're on the bench. I mean they're not actually getting a game but you know in these games where they've got midweek games you know we're going to have to use the squad aren't we you know you're not you're not going to get you know third place you're not going to get high up in the league without you know a good squad of players you know and as you said earlier as well you know that's what's been hearts achilles heel i think if there is injuries this season we're, we're going to you know we're, we're going to um have enough to replace players that have, that have gone out, you know, even Nandley coming on, I think Nandley played brilliantly on, on Saturday when he came on, you know, it gives you something different from boys, he sort of tricks the other team into thinking he's this big physical striker because he's, he's a tall guy, you know, when actually he's got loads of skill, he's a really skillful full striker and it's really refreshing to see I think as a Hearts fan and I thought I thought Craig Halkett played very well as well, deserved, deserved the goal, hadn't scored um, in a while as well and you know, it was, it was good to see him score, especially after uh, that calamitous error from Alan McGregor. He loves an error against Hearts, though, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I thought he's, he's made a good few saves um, before that. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, as soon as he missed the ball, I thought, oh, we're in here. And, um, and then it was obviously bad. You, know, you know, the classic thing, there's a guy next to me in the, in the ground. It's always the same thing. You know, when someone goes, that's a shite ball. Shite mm. ball. And then this this guy next to me was like, oh, it's a crap ball. Oh, oh. And then next time we're going limbs. <laughs> it's always the classic, isn't it? You know, there's always somebody who goes, oh, that's a crap ball. And then we've already scored. 
Uh, I, I thought I, I Crossan was poor up until that point because he, he, they put Mackay Stephen on the corners. Obviously, came from his corner, but I think it was Smith who had, who had been taking them before that. And you know, I don't particularly rate Michael Smith's corner taking, to be honest with you. Um, but it was a good ball from Mackay Stephen. Yeah, you know, McGregor should probably deal with it. But, um, you know, you need that wee bit of rubber green there. And I think we, we deserved it in the end because, you know, I just think, you know, you, you look back on, on that game and I don't know what it was, even going to the last minute, I still had a feeling the Hearts would had one, another big chance in them. And um, and when we got our equaliser, you know, we, we actually looked the, the team most likely going and win it, actually, because we even tried to, to push for a winner. But um, listen, if you'd, if you'd asked us for a 1-1 draw before the game, you absolutely would take it. And I think on the balance of the chances that we had, I think we deserved it. And... and Although Rangers have dropped points this season already, I think when they play like they did in the first half, there won't be too many teams that will be able to live with them, particularly at Ibrox. And the fact is that, that we managed to actually stick in there without playing particularly well and still come away with a point, I think, is a, is, is a real, real uh, good sign of intent from Hearts. Sort of shows where we are as well, Gordon. You know, where we are, you know, I know we keep on saying this in the podcast for the past few weeks, you know, how you know, we've got a good squad, we've had a good start. Um, but you know, that actually proves that we do have a good a, a good squad, a good start. And um, you know, hopefully we can continue that throughout the season. What, what did you make of um Robbie Nielsen getting sent to the stands? Yeah, it does this quite a lot, Robbie, when when hearts are getting beat, and obviously at the time we, we were losing the game. I don't know if he does it to maybe take away the focus from his own team, maybe take some pressure away from, you know, maybe the headlines, because inevitably you could probably see the headlines, you know, there you go, typical hearts fall away in Glasgow when it really counts and I haven't got the bottle to sustain a real challenge at the top end of the table, blah, 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 poor performance, all this sort of thing. But, you know, those headlines would kind of be sort of just put to the side because it would all be about him really. And he done the same against Aberdeen because he, he knew that his team had chucked away two points. Um, so he goes and decides to confront Scott Brown in the middle of the, the pitch to sort of take some of the talking points away. So he's not stupid, Robbie, you know. But I think he had a point because... Do you not, you know, do you not just think he's an angry man? I just think he's yeah, an angry man. He's a typical football, man. he's typical football manager, isn't yeah. he? You know, I think particularly when you come, come through... Certainly when you are ambitious and, you know, you come through a place like Ibrox and your team's unbeaten and... Um, it's not going your way, then I think it, you know, the frustration could probably spill over. But you know, was it Bakuna? Was that who it was? I think so. I think so. Uh, and then he um, started involved, and he started yeah. clapping, and then. But the thing is, you know, you watch it frustrated as a fan, and probably as a manager, you're just yeah. as you're more frustrated. Uh, yeah, but I think I think he had a point. Yeah, I mean, he's he has a point because at the end of the day, you know, you can't be putting your 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 hand around someone's throat, um, particularly when the fourth official can clearly see it. And the referee can clearly see it. You know why books Kingsley? I don't know. I, I, for me, you know the the Rangers boy should get sent off for that because you shouldn't. You should. You know he doesn't need to go over there. It's clearly a heart stroke, and the um he sticks his 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 hand round the uh, Kingsley's throat. So I think I think Nielsen at the time was he's basically just saying to the referee, you know, you you've bottled it, and then um, no, it's, it's not even that. It's just do your job. You can clearly see that that's that's going wrong. And a referee should be sending that guy off. I'm sorry. And I know it's Ibrox. Yeah, you blame the fourth official as well. I think the fourth official clearly sees it. He's basically in the middle of them. Um, and Nielsen's just trying to alert it to him. And then obviously he's came over. He's had words with both of them. He's basically, I think, 
referees maybe just well, he's effectively balled it, and that's that's what Robbie Nielsen said. So, well, typical, you know, if it was the other way about, you'd probably be quick enough to to banish your red there, and um, you know, he sent he sent Nielsen off, but um, yeah, you know what? I'm with I'm with Robbie on that one. I would have clapped him like him and went up to the sky. Yeah, 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 exactly. We've we, we've seen it all before. Like, like I say, you know, it's. I think Nielsen's probably been due a, a touchline ban for a while from the SFA. You know, I think he had comments last season and he's probably had similar ones at Dundee United and things like that. And I'm sure he had a touchline ban before when he was here uh, during his first spell. So, and um, he was right every single time because Robbie's right. Okay. <laughs> Robbie was right yeah. every single time. He deserves to clap them because he's done nothing wrong. Well, on, on this particular occasion, we'll, we'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But, um, no, you're not letting me speak on this again, Gordon. <laughs> uh, just, I'm, I'm getting a very Spencer vibe here from you. <laughs> well, I'm only saying about the referees. I'm not saying about anything else about Robbie Nielsen. You know that. I just ask the questions, usually. Um, obviously, we've got Dundee next coming up. Um, Robbie Nielsen will not be in the stands, if I'm right in saying, if I'm right reading. Um, got their first win over Aberdeen last week. You know... Was it good that they got their first win last week instead of having to come to Tincastle and get their first win? Yeah, yeah, I'm always sceptical about teams that um, haven't won a game and then they come and play Hearts because I've seen more if we were going away from home than, than being at home, I think. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting test, this one for Hearts, because I think Dundee, I didn't expect them to be bottom of the league. I thought, you know, they would they would do okay. I think they've got decent players. I think, you know, their side that, that on their day could probably hurt anybody um when you know you look at sort of Griffiths and Adam, Charlie um Charlie Adam and their team uh, and then obviously they've got Cummins in there as well. You know, they've got pretty decent experience in, in their team. Um and I think, you know I, I, I think it is a bit of a, a false kind of position, but then you see that some of the results and you know they were annihilated off um Celtic at Parkhead. Um, Dundee United have beaten them, St Johnson have beaten them convincingly twice um, so there's obviously you know frailties in that team and um, you don't know if that's just a momentum thing um, or and now that they've had that first win maybe the momentum will start carrying them on but you know I think they, they played an Aberdeen team that, that themselves are on a, a downward directory and I think you know going into this game at Tynecastle is a totally different one it'll be interesting to see how Dundee actually cope with it um, I think we've got more than enough to beat Dundee still. Um, but, yeah, I'm quite glad they got their first win out the road. But I think it's, it's it's a good indication to see how much metal Hearts have because these results, funny kind of results can happen at home um, to teams who are, are doing okay in the Premiership over the years. I mean, just last week, for example, Dundee United going to Easter Road and turning over hips, probably wouldn't have seen that one coming. Um and I think, you know, it, it is a potential banana skin. But I think, you know, if Hearts go there and, and you know, like they did to your Motherwells and, and, and Livingston's um, in the previous home games, if they turn up with a similar kind of intent, I think they should have too much for Dundee, hopefully. Well, I mean, it's, it's always one of these games that my, my dad always used to complain about when we were younger, you know, or get a good result at Ibrox or Parkhead and then you go and get beat off, you know, X, Y, Z. You know, it's, it's one of these ones, as you say, it could be a banana skin. But they have, they have got a decent quality team Dundee you know they, they've got players that can hurt hearts on their day it's just I don't think they've got a very good manager really I don't think yeah. they've got a manager they've, given they got up simply because 
they had the second best squad in that championship and you know Kilmarnock were on a downward spiral you know maybe that's not the full the full extent of why Dundee went up and why Kelly went down but you know this Dundee team you know they're good enough to hurt anybody on their day they beat Aberdeen but you know if they had a better manager I'd be a lot more fearful of Dundee but you know I just don't think they've got the manager there that's going to you know do anything this season potentially. I agree with you completely. I've said this for a while about Dundee. Um, James McPage just not a good enough manager for them. Um, you know, I think what what epitomises Dundee. You know, I know they've made signings and things like that over the summer, but it's still relatively Dundee under James McPage. Is one week they be they can be hot, and then the other week they can just be really really cold. It's a playoff game. You know, we've seen them. They went to um, Kirkcaldy battered Wraith Rovers. I think they won 3-0 in the end. and they, they were fantastic on the day. Then they play them three days later in the second leg. They lose 1-0. And, you know, they were actually quite fortunate that, that Wraith didn't score, you know, maybe another one and make it a wee nervy finish for them. So, um, yeah, I think Dundee have always got a calamitous performance in them. Listen, I could see Hearts going and turning them over 5-0. But then I could also see us maybe either drawing or, or maybe even getting beat 1-0. I think it's just, it's it's... It has got the potential to be a banana skin, but I think if Hearts go into it with the right kind of um, the right sort of um, attitude, start the game well, get the home support on side, get an early goal, which always helps, then you know I think we'll we'll have too much for Dundee in the end. But I think it's important that the crowd remain with with the team this week, um, because you know it's three you know huge games for us now, three winnable games. Uh, Dundee at home, St Johnson away and Aberdeen away three clubs who have had difficult starts to the seasons but all three clubs will think they'll fancy themselves against us and all three will be determined to, to kind of make sure that they're the first teams to beat us so I think you know if we could tick all three games off and take nine points that would be tremendous it really would um, but I think start with the Dundee game take care of your, your games at home um, three points, go top of the league, then, you know, the momentum takes us to the next two away games. But, yeah, a really, really good opportunity for Hearts this weekend and I hope that we grasp it with both fans. Obviously, then we've got St Johnston coming up, who have not had, you know, as good a start to the season probably as I expected, but they have lost players, you know, 3-0 defeat against Livingston, where they did make some terrible defensive errors. You know, FA Ambrose looks utterly shocking to be fair in a St Johnston shirt and I'm not just saying that because he used to play for Hibs he looks terrible and they've got a young guy next to him they just look so bad at the back that you know that's another game that I, I don't know as a Hearts fan as a pessimist as a natural pessimist I kind of feel this is a tricky game because it's St Johnston any St Johnston team seems to find a way to play Hearts and beat Hearts in McDermott Park I mean we've not won there in ages have we? Yeah, I think 2012 was the last time we got a result up there. Um, yeah, we've had some some pretty disastrous results. I mean, saying that last time I was there, we got a 3-3 draw. I think that was the last away before lockdown. Before, no, in fact, Hibs was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, yeah. Daniel Two-Win Stendhal yeah. was one of Daniel yeah. Two-Wins. <laughs> last minute equaliser, though, so we got a bit of wins. But, um, yeah, St. Johnston away, it's always a tough venue to go because I think St. Johnston as well are a side to... I think we'll blow hot and cold. You know, they're probably a side who will be able to turn it on against the better teams. And I would certainly expect them to, to have a real go and, and they'll be wanting to be the team that, particularly if we do get past Dundee, to try and take our unbeaten record away from us. And I think that's a, 
again, another huge banana skin. But, you know, if you want to do well in this league and you want to be at the top end of the table, you've got to go there and you've got to get a result. Um, watching the way St Johnston defended against Livingston gives me a tremendous amount of hope. But It was so on so St Johnston, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. like, you, you, you think St Johnston, you think big physical side, a side that's yeah. going to defend. But they've always been solid at the back, no matter yeah. what. St Johnston team you come up against, they've always been solid at the back, but they just look really, really, really bad defensively. I mean, yeah. even the goalie, Xander Clark, who's a very good goalie, doesn't look as confident with these two in front of him, does he? Well, that second goal was, was calamitous, wasn't it? You know, he just threw it in McCart's heel, bounced back to, to the um, the Livingston boy who just slotted in, then obviously the third one as well, where, where Ambrose and uh, I think it was Michael Howland ran into each other. Um you know, you hope that um, those get, you know, those kind of things happen. You know, when 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 we play them, but uh, that's the sort know. of thing the Hearts would do. It would be the other way about. Do yeah, know? we've seen we've seen plenty of them over the years, yeah. haven't we? You know, yeah. I think you go back to Ibrox, us trying to play the offside trap, Anucci playing them all on side three minutes in, and all that sort of thing. So we've seen our our fair share of the defensive calamities our, ourselves. But I thought. Um, yeah, I thought they were. It was a bit of a, a kind of an interesting weekend, I think, in the the SPFL, and it shows you that um, how easy it is to drop points. Um, you know, because there's there's kind of teams who were all at home, who you'd expect to to actually take results, and and they didn't. You know, because I mean, there's St Johnson getting beat three 0 home at Livingston, who I think has only won one game so far this season. There's Hibs, who you would have thought would take care of Dundee United because they played Dundee United a few weeks ago and, you know, didn't break a sweat. They get turf 3-0. Um, even Aberdeen as well, like we say, went to Dundee, lose. You know, maybe not many people would have expected Hearts to go and get a result at Ibrox. You know, although Hearts have done well this season, maybe a lot of people would just be looking at it, well, you know, Rangers should should take care of them. But um, it's a funny, funny league. It really is. And I think... Um, You've got to got to be on your A game every week if you're going to get uh, consistently take points off sides, and we've got a good gap building already over the teams that you would expect to challenge us for a, you know a European spot. You know I think we're I think we're ten ahead of Aberdeen, maybe nine or ten ahead of Aberdeen. Um, you know we're now is it four above Hibs? Um, so you know we've got a gap on St Johnston already. Um, so I think it's important that, that we 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 continue to take points off these teams. Um, and and continue to build a gap because I think after Dundee, uh, so after that this kind of run of three games here, I'm pretty sure it's Dundee United at home, and obviously they're on our top six side. And you know if you can if you can win these games, and you can start to bridge a gap between us and the rest, then you can start looking upwards rather than who's who's behind you. So I think there's a, a real good opportunity to try and ride this wave as long as we can. If we Listen, I still, I'm like you. The pessimist in me still thinks that, you know, there might be a defeat on yeah. these three games. I really hope not. I think Hearts have the potential to go and win all three of them, but I think they'll be uh, one, at some stage we'll, we'll drop points. But if Hearts go and get nine points in the next three games, puts oh. us in a tremendous position. It really does because you're beating three sides that you know obviously Dundee aren't anywhere near us, but they're still a, a decent enough side. Um, you're beating three teams who you know, you would expect at the start of the season would have been challenging you um, where you want to be. So so it gives us a really good opportunity to to lay down that marker and, and to show them that we're actually a level above these sides. So interesting week coming up for Hearts. But um, 
I think we should go to St Johnston on the on the Wednesday and um, and try and exploit their their weaknesses. You know, I think we've got the players to do so. For for me, I think it'll either be um, brilliant or a disaster. We'll either yeah. win all three or lose all three. There's no in between. <laughs> I, 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 I would be stunned if Hearts lost all three. I have to oh, say, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I, would, I, I, I just think it's, I, I just think we're not allowed good things. So if we do win all three, fantastic. But you know, the pessimist in me says yeah. we might lose all three. Now we won't lose all three. Yeah, yeah. We can't lose all three. Surely not. I, I maybe jinxed it. I maybe jinxed it. Well, you would hope not. I think it was round about this time under the Levine kind of um, era that 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 the Levine season. Uh, that we started really well, that the wheels started coming off. But yes, I'm more confident now. I think we've got a better side. So no, looking look, look forward to seeing what what type of kind of the, the challenge that these teams will, will bring to Hearts. I think is is going to be an interesting one, and it will be interesting to see how Hearts do. Like like you were saying there, you know, it's it's all right going and getting a result against the old firm, but it's how you follow that up. And I think if Hearts were to follow up a draw, at Ibrox with nine points, I think most of the league would would stand up and take notice of that. Oh, definitely. I think I think as, as you say, Gordon. I mean, I'm I'm just being a pessimist for pessimist's sake. But you know, I actually think we've got a very good team. And it's you. It's my. I was actually speaking to my my brother and my dad last night. Went over for my tea, and I was speaking to them, and they, they said, "Oh, Hearts only winning the league. They're not going to do much." This and the next thing, and I'm like, "Aye, you've you've watched Hearts for longer than me, but actually, you know, over the past eight seasons, I've watched Hearts. I've watched some rubbish." Watch some mm. crap walk through that, walk on that pitch in uh, Tin Castle. And genuinely, I think we actually have a good squad, a good 11, but also we've got good depth as well. You know, you've got yeah. a player for, you've got two players for every position in effect. And, you know, we've not had that in a while. We've really not had that in a while. And, and you know, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I think the minimum should be top four, but it wouldn't surprise me if we do challenge for second this season. It really wouldn't because we've had a good start. We've had we've got good players and we just have to make sure we don't get injuries or lose players in January. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't I don't see, you know, obviously injuries can definitely happen, but I think, you know, we've got the we've got a pretty good squad depth to to deal with injuries. Um and then obviously I don't see us really losing anybody in January because I think parts were up at the top end of the table, unless it was a stupid amount of money that's come in for a player. I don't see us selling. Um, I think if anything, we'll probably strengthen. I think you know that's where we are as a club at the moment. We're in a really unique position. I mean, you you maybe look back at seasons when maybe Aberdeen under McInnes were were having a really good season, and and it maybe got to the January time when they had a decent chance of still doing something. They didn't really have the funds to properly go in and and maybe properly add quality to their team that would take them to the next level. I think we've got the opportunity to do that, given our scout network now and given the funds that we have available. I think there's, you know, if Hearts were, were in a good position, um, you know, I mean, listen, I'm not saying the Hearts going to go and win the league this season. I mean, I think that's it's a fairy tale, isn't it? But you never know. Each week you you you, you kind of, you tick off a result, um, the more and more the belief grows. But what I would say is, if Hearts were to win the league, it, this would be the season. Um, because you know you automatically go into the Champions League group stages if you do, and um, and that would just transform the club and take them to a whole different level if we were to able to have a, a Leicester City season, you know, because it's football. It's it, it would be somewhat poetic justice in a sense. I'm not I'm not getting too far ahead, but you know, say we, we get to we get to May and we've won the league, it would be absolutely mm. hilarious if we did win the league. We got into the Champions League group stages, first Scottish team to get there, and what. 
five, six years, is it? Yeah, yeah. Last time Celtic were there, you know. Under Rogers, yeah. Under Rogers. So there you go. You know, it would be brilliant to see. And imagine, imagine, like, I don't know if we would play the games at Moneyfield, but imagine if like, the, the three big games would get at Tincastle. Well, yeah. It would just be, it would just transform the club, as you say. But we're dreaming. Oh, we are dreaming. Let's put the caveat yeah, out there. Oh, we are course. absolutely dreaming football fans. We're, we are unbeaten, but we are allowed because we've had a few shit seasons. Listen, we've had more than a few shit seasons. Yeah. We've had a terrible time of it. I think if there was one club that, that deserved a bit of luck, a bit fortunate, it would be ourselves. And um, yeah, listen, but I think I think it's all about progress still, though. You know what I mean? Listen, it would be absolutely fantastic to for for Hearts to, you know, go on and somehow win the league and all this sort of thing. But you know, if we were sitting here this time next uh, next year and we were about to kick off against, you know, some team in the Europe League group stages, that for me would be a huge amount of progress. And I would absolutely take that because I think we have to be sitting here on a Thursday night, um, either in some country somewhere or a home tie against a, a decent side in Europe. Because that's that's for me, that's progression and that's where we need to be. We need to be having... European nights back at Tynecastle, getting ourselves back on the stage, getting that extra income, um, and and building and taking the football club to where it needs to be. Because I, I think we've had this conversation many times. If there was one club that was going to be able to actually properly challenge, well, outside the old firm and get into Europe, I think it's Hearts. I mean, Hibs have proven that they can't do it. They've just not got the infrastructure to to kick them on to the next level. Aberdeen definitely have proven that they can't do it. Um, St Johnston made a good fist of it, but again, they were unlucky with their draws. Galatasaray and then um, who last, put them out? Last, last uh, um, I mean, they'll, they'll probably be disappointed with the last result, to be honest with you, because I think they they could they, they probably should have went through over the two legs, particularly when they, they went away from home and, and got the result they did. Um, and then obviously they lose it at McDermott. But I think, you know, if, I think from a heart's point of view, I think, I think we could definitely get past the group uh, to the, these qualifiers and beat these teams. I think we'd have the ability to do so. So that's that's the most important thing for us. I think is is to see uh, to get ourselves into Europe and and start um start getting ourselves back on that stage again. Yeah, I mean we aren't just saying this because we're we're wanting to sound like deluded fans. I mean, look, we we get seventeen thousand or fifteen. Let, let's be conservative, fifteen thousand fans a week when we're rubbish. Do you know what I mean, imagine if Hearts were actually any good. Think about the mm. amount of people would come and watch us. Do you know what I mean? We're a really well-supported club. We've got the real potential. We're in a great city. You know, we're a very attractive opposition for, sorry, very attractive proposition for any player to come and play. And European football would just add to that, I think. But um, we're not selling the club to anybody. If you want to come along and play for Hearts, please come. Please have some skill and we'll, we'll love you for it. If you're crap, we'll boo you. Plain and simple. Um, hearts fans, isn't it? <laughs> pretty much, yeah. That's pretty <laughs> much the system, yeah. If you, if you do well, you'll be adored. You'll never buy a pint in Gorgie again. But if you're shy, well, there's yeah, the door. Yeah. And quite frankly, first game's key because if you don't do it in the first game, well, hmm, that, that pressure's just... on you. Pressure's on you, definitely. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, I think we've we've got a good opportunity this season to to properly do something and hopefully. Um, all goes well and we can um we can get ourselves back into Europe at the very least. We'll move on. Um we've we've had our, our dreaming ten minutes um on the show. I mean not often if you're a regular listener do you no. hear us dreaming. So you know you know I'm glad you caught that because you know 
you sometimes find on this podcast that, that we do go through phases of, you know, being frustrated with the team. Gordon hates. I don't. I love the team. <laughs> um, but, <Don't> come. <laughs> but um, you know, it's actually quite good to actually talk positively about Hearts. You know, it's, it's, it's good to see. We're going to talk a little bit. We're going to move on and talk a little bit about um, transparency in the Scottish game. Um, I set you the task today, Gordon, of watching the um, Falkirk fans Q&A that I noticed on um, Twitter earlier today. And um, it, 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 was a, it was a car crash, wasn't it? But, you know, what, what, were, your, what were your highlights from the, the car crash Q&A um, that Falkirk put out on our YouTube channel? Well, these things are always good to watch when it isn't your football club. Um, and I thought it was interesting, to be honest with you. I mean, I, obviously knowing that Falkirk had struggled for a few years, but I didn't realise the, the the level of to which they were at. I didn't, you know, know they had won something like five or 20 games. I know they bottled the playoffs last year. Um, and I think they're now this is a third season in League One. For a size of, for a size of club that Falkirk are, that, that shouldn't really be where they are. So totally understand um, what's happening there. And, you know, it kind of reminds me a little bit about what Hearts were like. Just a few years ago, you know, Gary Holtz almost took in the, the Craig Levine type kind of um, thing on on board. He's a sporting director there and obviously he had to answer a lot of questions. They were saying something like, I think they'd brought in 62 players over a certain period. And um, yeah, it was really interesting to, to listen to. And I think, you know, football supporters will always come along and they know their, their own team like at the back of the hand and they'll always hold their you know, the board and, and the managers to uh, to account. And Celtic and Rangers kind of host these sort of things um, every couple of years, well, every year, basically. And I think they, they, they I think they're, they're done in a similar manner, to be honest with you. You know, the, the fans hold them to, to, to ransom and, and they ask questions and things like that. And I think it's something that the hearts don't do, really, to be honest with you. I mean, I know they, they have the foundation AGM and things like that, but... Um, you know, it's not quite. It's never sort of broadcasted to um, to the supporters to watch back and things like that. And I think for a club that preaches uh, we're the biggest fan-owned club in the country and all this sort of thing, I think it, that's something that we should be doing. Yes, questions would be more positive this time around, but I think if they were to hold one of these um, sort of uh, Q and As, maybe last season or or even the season before, could you imagine some of the questions that would be fired towards the board then? Oh, well. I mean, if you thought the, the Falkirk Q&A was bad, Christ, you, you, you probably could, you could only imagine what the Hearts one would have been like back then. But I think it's I think it's an interesting way of doing things. I think it's the right way of doing things because it, it, it gives supporters their say. And I think in this country in particular, supporters feel like their voice is, is unheard. And um, I think clubs have got to be doing all they can to, to engage with their supporters and keep getting them through the turnstiles. They mentioned there in the Falkirk one that they still get 4,000 through the gates, even though they're effectively a mid-table League One club. And that's better than some premiership clubs, to be honest with you. So I think it highlights just um, how loyal the, the Falkirk supporters are. And um, so I think I think things like Q&As, particularly when things are going a bit crap, I think it's important to keep the fans engaged and, and try and keep them on side and let them vent a little bit. Although I, I did watch a few snippets from, from that. I didn't actually watch the whole thing. I, I don't know if you actually did or, or skimmed through. You yeah, probably yeah. did. You watch the whole thing? Yeah, I did, yeah. That's good. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad the tasks I set you is, um, you know, come to fruition and, and, and you actually do them. It's good. It's good. <laughs> um, but I mean, I'd love to have watched it all because it got a lot of traction. Um, but 
I did find it quite interesting some of the reaction from the the sort of the board and the the director of football and the manager and stuff like that. It seemed very sort of hostile back. You know, there's a way to answer a question, isn't there? You know, I just thought they were a bit thingy. Like, I, I totally agree we should be having more of these fan forum things. And I think it'd be great for the game. And I think, you know, Hearts should adopt that sort of thing. But both need to get something out of it, don't they? You know, you can't just have, oh, Hearts are doing rubbish or whatever your team's doing rubbish. Um, fans vent and then, you know, the chairman vents at the fan and it just becomes a, a back and forth thing. You know, you've got, to, you've got to come out of there thinking, actually, I've made the chairman think something. Or, you know, they, they come out and think, oh, well, we might change this for the fans. You know, it just seems very sort of like, everybody's been made to do this. They know the fans are going to do it. Yeah. It's not really transparent because nobody's actually listening to each other. Um, yeah, no, listen, I think every kind of situation is different. I think that Falkirk one, you have to look at it in maybe in isolation because clearly their board has has been running the football club pretty disastrously, given their league, their league position. That would obviously come to, the, uh, to highlight that. But I think... What they've done is they're they've they've just I think they've released a few statements saying things like basically just justifying all their decisions and that's obviously pissed the supporters off. We know exactly how that feels. Mrs. Budge came out when we were standing at the gates of Town Castle demanding Craig Levine be removed. She said, "I think he's doing a really, really good job." Now, I don't for a minute think that Mrs. Budge didn't regret that. When as soon as she said it, she probably thought, "Shit, why have I said that?" But she said it and she's got to go with it. You know what I mean? She kind of then just retract and go back on herself, even though we all knew what was coming. Football fans aren't stupid. They can see what's coming. They know their own club like the back of their hand. And I think in this particular situation with Falkirk, is they're basically aiding their dirty laundry in, in public and they're almost trying to challenge the fans and saying, you know, this is how we're doing it. Um, do they know, know, the do they know the fans eventually always win? They're your only customer. Yeah, yeah they do. But I think these, these people are probably quite inexperienced when it comes to running football clubs. And I think that was highlighted as well. So they were talking about a lack of football knowledge on the board. So that's why they brought Gary Holt in. Um, and obviously, that hasn't, hasn't worked out particularly well, has it? But for, Falkirk is a football club, you know, and, and like a lot of football clubs in, in, in Scotland, if you start kind of doing stupid things and, and and mismanaging your club, you can easily slide down the divisions. It's happened to Hearts and Hibs and Dundee United to, to the Championship. It's happened to, you know, Kilmarnock even as well. Partick Thistle has happened to them. Um, and then, you know, you look at Falkirk and, and what's happened to them. Dunfermline are on their way down as well. They, they could end up in League One. I mean, look, look, look at Dunfermline. You know, they, they, everyone outside of Dunfermline could see that Peter Grant was going to be a car crash of a, disa- a disastrous appointment. Why would you Why would you go and get, you know, appoint a guy who had just been relegated with Aloha and give him the job at a club that's at, aspiring to get promoted? Because so it's everyone, Scottish football. We always... I don't even think you can say it's Scottish football. It's just yeah. absolutely delusional to then go and appoint someone like that. And, and you know, because fans know football. They, they know their clubs better than anybody else. But does it and you go back does it not go back to that classic thing like Peter Grant with Dunfermline things? Does it not go back to that class? Now, I don't know a lot about what's going on in Dunfermline. I mostly watch Hearts, but does that not like go back to the old school thing of, well, Peter Grant's a winner? Do you know what I mean? He played. Well, he possibly. Played I, yeah, I mean, it could, it could be an old Pals Act. I don't know if someone's on the board and they've given the job, but the fact is they're sitting bottom of the league. They're a big club who've have probably invested enough in their squad to think that they should be challenging for a playoff spot at the very least. They've appointed this guy here 
um, and they're bottom of the league, and they've just come out and said that basically it's the fans' fault that they're they are where they are, and because of the fans have been criticising and not supporting them, that's where they are, and they think Peter Grant's the right man for the job. They support him, and the fans didn't care what they're talking about, and that's effectively. And, and Falkirk have probably done the same as well, and now it just so happens that they've done a Q and A with with their own supporters to try and maybe kind of you know can maybe cool the tensions a little bit. Dunfermline in the same boat. Hearts in the same boat uh, at one stage as well. Um, and I think... I'm not saying, like, you know, there was a lot of anger when, when taking it back to Hearts, obviously this harsh view, there was a lot of anger with Nielsen, you know, with, with the Broda result. He was doing positive things in other, in other aspects. You know, he was... He did get us up. We are unbeaten in the league. You know, maybe sometimes fans shouldn't be given every decision to make but there should be a consultancy basis from fans shouldn't there you know what's happening at Falkirk and what's happening at Dunfermline quite frankly is a disgrace because they're big clubs they should never be where they are you know these people that are running these clubs clearly aren't doing it right if Dunfermline are bottom of the championship you know Dunfermline went down to league one because of administration before they never went down to league one because of having a rubbish team or having not having a not having a good manager, having an net manager, Falkirk's exactly the same. You know, these clubs should be in the Premiership. Never mind, never mind League One. You know, going down to League One or, or even in the I Championship. Think, you know, I, it, I it, think, it just baffles me that, that they're blaming their fans. Yeah, for this sort oh, of it's, an e- it's an easy cop out, isn't it? And I think I think in, in in the situation in Hearts where Hearts were last season, I think the reason why the fans were probably so angry and so passionate is because they had seen this story before with Craig Levine. Um, and I think that's why a lot of fans were maybe, you know, there was so much traction. But credit to the club because, you know, they did stick with Nielsen. And, and you know, we are at a stage where, you know, we're certainly, we're doing really well. And it, 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 it's turned around quickly. But he's still a few results away from that quickly, going back to, to square one again. Um, but at the moment, we're doing well. And, the, you know, the club can maybe say, well, actually, we've done all right by sticking with him. See, sometimes it does work. But the Craig Levine thing, I mean... Hearts, everyone's seen that coming a mile away, but we stuck with him too long. And the thing is, and I think teams like Falkirk and Dunfermline, they can see what's coming. Oh, yeah. um, I don't think Falkirk are going to get relegated to League Two, but it could happen. You know, the results at the moment, that you know, I'd be a disaster for that football club. And, and what would happen to them is they would have to go from full-time to part-time. That would be an absolute disaster for a football club like that. Dunfermline as well, you know, if they were to get relegated to League One, that, that would be just be ridiculous for the size of that club. Um and you know, fans can see these things coming. They, they 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 can see the the progress on the pitch. And I think directors sometimes are because they probably work with the manager that they're clouded by their loyalty at times. You know, Budge was she, she got clouded by her one with with Craig Levine. And sometimes, you know, you need to. And sometimes you need to listen to the fans because they're the ones who look at objectively. Okay, so we're we're looking at we've we've obviously talked a wee about Falkirk and Dunfermline and um, big clubs in their leagues. Um, talking about transparency, and I was going to move on to this. Um, a, a club that has a very transparent owner, so transparent he goes on Sports Sound before he goes on to um, his own TV channel, his own club's TV channel, um, and starts talking about how journalists have it against Aberdeen. You know, is Aber- is is Dave Cormack going to be? Um, I know this not really harshly, but we've got them in a few weeks' time. Is Dave Cormack going to be um, too loyal to Stephen Glass, do you think? Or do you think they'll sack him? Because the fans want him out. 
Yeah, it's, it's a similar kind of situation what we we're just talking about with Dunfermline and Peter Grant there. You know, obviously it's it's Cormac's first kind of real appointment. It was a baffling appointment for me, and, and you know, obviously at the, at the time when Aberdeen sacked Derek McInnes, um, who done an incredible job up there. Um, you know, obviously the fans kind of, I think it just, it just became too stale for Aberdeen, and, and I can understand that as well. You know, they obviously felt that they wanted to go to the next level. Um, but I think Aberdeen, for the size of club that they are, and I think the infrastructure that they have, had hit the glass ceiling. Um, but I, I, Aberdeen, for me, though, because, I mean, listen, they had a fantastic time in the 80s and all this sort of thing. That was a glory period. But realistically, they're a one-city club and they get less than Hearts and Hibs do, fan, fan base-wise. So it's a myth that they're the third biggest club in the country. They're nowhere near it. Um, for me, Aberdeen, they've had a fantastic 10-year period, particularly when you see that where they were before. They were constantly always kind of battling. They had the odd season where they'd maybe finish third or battle for third, but traditionally they were always kind of mid-table to the bottom six. Um, I think before McInnes came in, I think they had 4,000 one evening against Hamilton. 4,000 supporters um, for a one-city club is, is disgusting. And um, for a league game in particular... So for me, I think Aberdeen had hit that glass ceiling, but they obviously wanted something different. They obviously felt that they wanted to go somewhere. So he's come in. He's he's obviously an ambitious man, but at the same time, it almost feels a wee bit like the old pals act that he's brought in glass-wise because they've spent money. You know, they've brought in Brown and they've brought in all these coaches that have good experience and all this sort of thing. Um, I mean, for me, it doesn't. It doesn't. It kind of feels like the old pals act thing, but it also seems like the sort of Ian Cathill type thing, taking a guy that. Yeah. Doesn't really know the Scottish game. I mean, I, I hate saying that because we did back Cathro when he was when he was the manager, but you know it was the right decision to let him go because, you know, there was investment put in. There, there was players brought in. Obviously, different things caused Cathro not to be a good manager. He's a better number two. You know, look, he's, he's at Tottenham now. If I'm right in saying, he's had, yeah. he's, he's had a great career before. He'll have a great career after. He's worked with some of the best managers in the world. You know, the guy must know football. You know, yeah. he's just not a manager. But Glass, for me, it seemed as if, it seems as if, it's like a Cathro thing. Now, I might eat my, I might eat my words coming with Aberdeen coming up and, you know, Aberdeen fans can will probably replay, replay our conversation. Um, but, you know, I just think it stinks of that. And I don't think he's got very long left because the fans are, the fans are losing patience. Um, but did you think he was, did, did you think Cormac was right to go in sports sound and, and sort of berate the media for what's going on at his club you know there's being transparent and then there's blaming other people for your decisions at a football club like don't go on if you can't if you can't take the heat surely I don't know it's almost that siege mentality thing isn't it that you try to unite the football club and unite the fans by saying well everybody's against us so you know fuck them sort of thing and I, I can understand that kind of but at the same time you know you talk about the hearts and careful thing and the hearts kind of realised very quickly they had to fall on their sword with Cathro because clearly it was going in one direction and one direction only and that was down and um, and unfortunately just so happens his predecessor was taking the club the same way but again old pals act kept him in the job for too long um, so I think I think the thing is with Cormac is Aberdeen you know they have they have decent players they have a decent squad and you'd expect them to be at the very least top six but you know, so did we when we got we got relegated. You know, we we had just players who a mixture of players who couldn't handle the heat, a mixture of players who couldn't be asked, and and you almost look at the Aberdeen squad and there's players in there that probably scream of a similar kind of a similar thing. So um, you know, if Aberdeen were to lose this weekend against Hibs, and 
I think they played Rangers midweek as well, and then obviously Hearts. They were to come away with all three games with zero points, which could definitely happen. You know, you have you the, you've then got to ask yourself, where does that leave you? And and Cormax just came on the the radio there. He's backed his manager to the hill. This was only a week before that they they had three very big games. Now, listen, if they then go and take it maybe seven points out of these next three games, then you know, you say to yourself, well, thanks very much, you know, uh, Mr. Chairman, you've you've kind of got me out of a hole there. You've got the reaction that we needed to get, but it could definitely go back on them there and, and, and he could be left with egg as his face because, like I say, you know, it's three big games against three teams that they would hope to be competing with and if they were to lose all three of them, there's a good chance they could be bottom of the league by then, depending if results go against them. So you would have to ask yourself the question, well, you know, do do I stack them? What happens there? Who do you bring in to replace them? Um, what sort of rebuild would they need? Because clearly they would definitely need someone to to kind of get a reaction out of that squad. Because it's not the worst squad in the world, but I think they're they're in a position where um, the longer you wait, the worse it'll be. It feels as if we've we've spent half the show talking about Falkirk, Dunfermline, and Aberdeen. Um, hope you enjoyed it. I mean, I know I have. Thank you, Gordon, for joining me this week. Um, and thank you, the fans, for joining us. Hopefully you enjoyed that, hearing me speak a wee bit more than I usually do. Um, and yeah, hopefully we stay unbeaten. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>